Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Voices of Western. This is the Humans of Western podcast, and I'm so excited to be introducing two amazing guests today. Emily Wen and Kathy Chen are two of the Western alumni, and more importantly, they co-founded Humans of Western in 2014. Um, so Emily graduated from Western with a degree in medical sciences, went on to pursue medical school in McMaster, and is currently doing her residency at UBC. Um, Kathy, on the other side, started with also medical sciences, but she quickly learned that it wasn't for her. So she switched to ComSci and later graduated with a degree in HBA, IB. Um, she's also a big traveler. She has worked as a product manager in several tech companies, and these are topics that we'll be discussing today. So why don't I pass it to you so that you can do a better introduction of yourselves and we can kick it off from there. Um, so I guess I'll start. Hi everyone, thank you for having me today, Hussein, and, and for having um, both of us. Um, it's such a surprise to be back <laughs> in one way or another. Um, and so having that uh, connection to Humans of Western, so again, uh, my name is Emily Nguyen. Um, I graduated from Western in uh, 2017, as Hossein um, introduced, um, with uh, medical science in physiology and global health, and then um, went on to do my medical school um, at McMaster, and then now I'm at UBC doing a residency uh, in family medicine. So hopefully be finishing uh, in 2023, but we'll see. Maybe an extra year of training. Hi, I'm Kathy. Um, unlike Emily, I did not have the patience to go through medical sciences <laughs> and switch to computer science and business, which I got a dual degree in, um, but spent an extra year in school. So I graduated in 2018. Um, after that, I moved to San Francisco, started working at Google as a product manager in the APM program, and then got a chance to transfer to Tokyo, where I lived for two years working at Google, and then decided that a large tech company life was was it for me. So after that, I uh, decided to move to London, UK. So now I proudly tell people that I uh, live in London, UK, but I went to university in London, Ontario, um, and where I am now. And now I work for a startup, and we focus on providing financing and insurance for fertility. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you for the introductions. Uh, I guess let's start from the very beginning. How did both of you meet for the first time? We met so long ago in high school. Yeah. Um, we met in Newfoundland, actually. So the most Canadian of meeting stories. Uh, the two of us participated in this program called Chad Valley. Uh, we were there together. We were actually both on the same team because they put you in teams and we're on yeah. the orange team. Yeah. And yeah we just we hit it off got along really well and then when both of us decided to go to western we actually ended up being roommates so yeah i think we intentionally organized it that way we did yeah yeah you totally did so you ended up on the same i'm guessing it was called house teams at the time was it house teams and yeah, then I think you so. ended up Wow. So you ended up at Western, not on in the same building alone, but on the same floor too? In the same room. We were roommates. In the same room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was intentional. <laughs> yeah. 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 Emily and I were part of the Scholars Electives program. So they put us on the same floor. 
and then I think you had the opportunity to pick who your roommates were and then we we knew a few other people who were also doing the program and coordinated a, a room situation. Amazing. And so I'm guessing that led into the founding or co-founding of Humans of Western. Maybe you can talk to us more about that and how it happened. Uh, yeah, we. Um, I think we were both, like still are a big fan of um, Humans of New York uh, and Brandon, who's the photographer and, and the person, the father behind um, the whole Humans of movement. Um, and um, you know, I was really into photography um, at that time and was just playing around the camera all the time. And then, you know, Kathy uh, being this sort of entrepreneur kind of person. Yeah, she was my uh, team leader at Shad. Um, so, yeah, she led our team. I forgot whole- that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she led our team through like a whole business proposal and all that stuff. So, obviously, a natural leader. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, we were both excited about, you know, the humans off sort of um, idea and um, we were talking about all the time. And then around, I remember Christmas time when I was just looking for a new camera. Um, Sorry, I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, Kathy sort of just reached out to me like, hey, Emily, what do you think about us starting Humans of Western? Um, because it was sort of still a new um, thing at that time that was still gaining traction throughout so- social media or Facebook. Um, and I was like, yeah, why not? And, you know, I'm getting my new camera and, you know, you're getting into coding and, and doing website and stuff. Let's do it. So we just sort of went out and bought our equipment and hit it off um, yeah. very organically. Yeah. I remember our initial investment was something like $50. We paid for a website, domain name. Um, we set up the Facebook account and then we printed some stickers and uh, and that was pretty much it. And then we went around campus asking people to talk to us. Was uh, like the option of websites at the time a popular option? It, yeah, actually, now that I, it's, it feels really, really long ago because back then, Instagram was not really a thing. So mm-hmm. our main avenues were we when we decided to start it, we were like, we'll do a Facebook page and we'll do a website and we'll post the website link because for some reason at the time it was like, yeah, we, we have to have a website. I think we hosted it on Tumblr. Was it right? Was that right? I think so. Initially, yeah. yeah. Before you bought your like our own domain <laughs> yeah yeah I think it was posted on tumblr and then I put like a custom domain name on it mm-hmm. but we just posted it on on tumblr and right. then it was yeah it was tumblr and facebook and then I guess around the time when we started it and over the next couple of years like facebook really took off so eventually we kind of just ended up going pretty much all the way to facebook and then I guess after towards maybe like the end of the time that we spent on the project did we introduce Instagram, I guess, for the first time. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, today when we use uh, Humans of Western or advertise it, it's usually on Instagram and Facebook that we tell people to visit those pages. Um, Why don't you give us a glimpse of how your roles were like in the beginning? I know it was a two-person team. So tell us more about that. Um, Yeah. So like initially... Um, I, because I, I was into camera at the time, so I 
just went around and asked people and, and take their pictures. And then um, Kathy also would come with me uh, from time to time and we'd do the interviews together. Um, and yeah, it was just something that we thought we would just do for fun, um, you know, and uh, um, sort of promote this sort of Western community and just trying to see who's on, who's actually on campus, what's the story behind people's here. Um, yeah, that's just sort of what I went in with. I'm, I don't know, Kathy, if you have different sort of um, thoughts at the time. Yeah, we kind of, I think we kind of did everything together with the exception of, I, I did a lot of, I remember like a lot of the scheduling and the mm -hmm. social media and the posting um, of everything. But for the most part, we did everything together. Um, I still remember in the early days, like the two of us would text each other and be like, all right, like interview time, like let's go out. And it was really fun because we would just go out onto campus, like walk around, look at people, scope out who might be receptive <laughs> to talking to us. Like at the time it wasn't even um, who's interesting or anything like that. It was like, who's not gonna be weirded out by two strangers yeah. coming up to them and starting to ask questions. So it was like yeah. mostly people who did, weren't looking like they were busy working on something or just hanging around. And then we'd approach them, we'd say, hi, we're doing this thing. Um, will you talk to us? We have this consent form. We're all official and everything. They have to sign mm -hmm. a consent form and yeah. everything. Um, and then most, I mean, we got turned down a few times for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, like a lot. Um, so in those early days when you were, you know, reaching out to people and asking them to be interviewed, what were the main spots that were going on around campus? Was it like UCC? I don't know, social sciences? What spots were those? All yeah, of yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you I think we've interviewed like, with people at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> or like in the, I remember like the, um, the cafe, uh, Taylor Library, um, yeah, Walden Library, anywhere that, you know, um, camera would allow people were hanging out or even just like walking on the campus, even being outside if the weather is nice around the picnic table, things like that. Yeah. And I don't know if this is if we started it or or what, but shortly after or at some point after Humans of Western started, Geese of Western started, and I feel like they were inspired by us. Yes, I vaguely remember. I wonder where they went. Is there is it still going? I remember we took a picture of Geese at some point just for fun. Yeah, yeah, or, or maybe for April Fools. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they are there now, or at least I haven't seen anything about them. It was, I think it was a joke account, yeah. but it was really funny. Yeah. They just took a bunch of pictures of geese. So I remember like my very first experience of interviewing people on campus. It was during O week. Um, mm. A very scary, a very scary experience, actually, you know, reaching out to people, something I'd never done before, um, mm -hmm. asking them to be interviewed. I clearly remember like when one of the persons was like, what's that? Is that a scam? Or uh, was like very hesitant to continue. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was on the third or fourth try where um, my teammate and I were able to find two softs who were willing to share their experience and interview with us. Do you happen to remember your, I don't know, very first interview or very first uh, reach out to people and then being turned down? memories like these yeah i mean there were quite a like i think we just shut out all the rejections yeah we just like 
erased from our memory. <laughs> Not in a bad way or anything, but just because we were getting quite a bit. So we just didn't want them to be like the main focus of our project. Um, yeah. But then we actually ended up, um, the more popular we got, we got a lot of reach outs. Oh, we also had a, an email address and we got a lot of reach outs from other people saying like, hey, my club is doing this or whatever. And a lot of people reached out to us to get interviewed and we rejected a bunch of people um, mm -hmm. later on because we wanted to keep it spontaneous, keep it very organic and mm -hmm. um, keep the stories really genuine as opposed to staged. Exactly. And I'm happy to tell you that to this date, we have kept it that way. It's like every post that you see on our accounts is a genuine post, um, posting like spontaneous people going to people and asking them to be interviewed to kind of keep the authentic feel of humans of Western, just sharing those moments of everyday life with, with our Western community. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Cause I, I remember from time to time, whenever I see like a, a post popping up about humans of Western, I still go into the Facebook profile of the, of the group to just see how things are going, what kind of new posts are there, you know, just, you know, being an audience at this point, but uh, I'm glad it's, it's still sort of keeping with the spirit. Um, one thing uh, that we discussed before, and I would love to learn more about is the marketing strategies that you are using. I know Kathy, talked about some stickers uh being attached in some places on <laughs> campus maybe they can expand on it yeah so we had a really limited marketing budget right and again we started this thing on tumblr and facebook so we had to get the word out there somehow and um but we had a really limited budget so what we wanted to do we had this great idea to do some guerrilla marketing and we thought, well, what if we got stickers and we plastered them all over campus and it just said humansofwestern.com on it so that everyone could find it. Um, and we thought this was brilliant because we're like, well, we can put it everywhere and um, in certain places where people could see it and it would be great. Um, but we didn't really have a lot of money. So what we ended up doing was we somehow found a color printer either on campus or somehow. And then we went to Staples and bought those like labels you know, those sheets of sticker labels where they're rectangles and they're blank and you can just print on them. So we just mm -hmm. bought those printed humans of Western in color on all of those and then stuck them all over campus. Um, I think the most genius location that we put it was behind the back door uh, in the bathrooms. So when someone goes to the bathroom stall door, oh, yeah. you see the sticker there. <laughs> I'm sure that yeah. generated lots I'm of I'm sure. Traffic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine someone going to the washroom and like closing the door and realizing what is this? I've never heard of this. Because <laughs> how else are you going to get their attention, right? The exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, love it if it worked. Uh, and so were you measuring any data in terms of that was a time where traction was being gained or when was the time when you realized, okay, this is becoming serious now? Um, I would definitely say just looking back, um, interviewing the staff who work at Western was like one of the biggest hits in like overall, like be it like the lady in the caf cafeteria or, you know, one of our security guard. Um, yeah, just like, or like professors in general, 
um, were like the bigger hits among um, our posts. Yeah, I think what we, I, now that I'm thinking about it, we started with, um, we decided that on our launch day, which was in January, that we would have um, a set of content already. So I think we decided on like five stories or something like that. And then we started posting one a day after that. And after the stickers situation, we also put the stickers on like this outdoor stairs, like in places where people would frequently walk. Um, and it started to pick up. We started to see more followers. But then a few of our posts went viral, mm-hmm. uh, at least whatever viral was back in the day. People reposted it on Facebook. And mm-hmm. those were the ones that Emily was talking about. They were really, really popular and then got us a lot of followers after that. Yeah, I can imagine like people who are being posted, reposting it on their Facebook and, you know, kind of bragging to their friends, say, hey, I was featured. This is my story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and people would tag their friends into the yeah. post a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, you're popular now, that kind of stuff, which yeah. is really fun to see. And just to see that interaction and, and that relationship, even online, it's really fun. Yeah. And then the ones with the staff, um, people would be like, oh, I'm yeah. me. This is the this is the security guard at the library, like our favorite guy or, or something. Um, so people were really excited about it. Yeah. I can imagine that this created a lot of, you know, positive emotions for people who were working there and seeing that their work was being recognized, as you said, by comments of students. Mm -hmm. So I think it served even a bigger purpose than you can imagine making someone's day. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think what I felt every time a post become sort of viral or or well recognized among campus is that you know people finally get to see the person behind the face that they see every day, which is one of the main thing why I love the whole humans off um, sort of uh, movement so much. Um, you know, like when you're interacting with someone on campus, it's just like the regular like, hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good kind of interaction and you never had the chance to really go deeper or ask like the more um, difficult questions or or um, or it just feel you know like a, a weird question to ask uh, randomly but when you go out there with the purpose of you know really learning about a person like doing humans of western like you really get that opportunity to um, ask those kind of questions and get to know people so well, which is, yeah, like the the reason why um, we love doing it. Yeah, Emily was really, really good at this. She was able to, she, like it's truly interviewing is an art and I feel like Emily was really good at getting someone to trust her and then ask the right questions and probe and really go deeper so that we could uncover their full story and tell it to the world. And um, so I'm also seeing this as an entrepreneurial experience where you're doing things for the first time, creating a club that doesn't exist, you know, lots of legwork to begin with. Um, how, how is that whole experience for you? Like, how did it help you in, you know, future years, even post-graduation? It taught me so much. I will say it taught me so, so, so much about the early days of social media marketing. Um, I really, because... I, up until that point, I had never been, I'd never seen what it looked like behind the scenes. Um, but then once we had the Humans of Western page up and I had, I was the, like, we had the page 
we had access to all the statistics and all the data that was coming through on who was looking at it. We could see demographics. Um, it's truly powerful. It's a bit scary, but it's powerful. Uh, so I think that was really interesting and a good learning. And I think as, as, as it got bigger, like we were forced to think about handoff, like transition. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you do that? And when we were forced to think about that, we, were, we thought, okay, well, then how do we find other people who will take our baby and actually make it bigger and better and, and grow it? And one of the best bits of advice that mm-hmm. I've been given from people that I look up to and admire is that you're not measured by the success of the project when you did it, but rather the you're measured by the success of how it was taken and, and grown in, in later years. So I'm not measured by the success of when Emily and I did this. We're actually measured by the success of the fact that you guys are still working on it. And it's bigger and better and better than anything we could have thought. Yeah, we, we never really thought that it would, you know, keep going to this day. It was sort of just more like a project or something fun to do. And we didn't even, I don't think, register it as a club at the time. It was just more like a thing. Um, and then sometimes we just a Facebook page (laughs) yeah that's it (laughs) um so the fact that it's now you know become recognized as an official club with like you know its own organization and and so many different layers being involved it's it's pretty uh impressive yeah and I mean we had uh, some difficult challenges during COVID especially too where we had to pivot to find different ways of interviewing people and mm-hmm. this podcast project was actually something that came out of the heart of COVID, like something that allowed mm-hmm. us to even expand uh, the portfolios under Humans of Western. So I, I'm I'm hopeful and grateful and optimistic that this club will continue to grow and provide first year, second year, third and even fourth year students or even postgraduate students the, the opportunity to try something new and continuously step out of their comfort zone. Um. In the initial days that you started um, Humans of Western, I know we kind of like touched on this and then like are going back now. So like what I hear from many people today is if you start, whether it's a business or side hustle, you think people would support you, but then the moment support wise is needed, people get busy with their own things to do and, you know, you get kind of disappointed with the amount of support that you're receiving, especially from people you thought were really close friends. How is your experience like with a two-person team starting this Humans of Western um, and, yeah, not have, doing something that was there for the first time? Um, I, like, yeah, it just it was just something, like we said, it was something fun that we just sort of started and then we never really thought that it would grow into something um, this big and, and, and running for this long. Um, I remember besides our really close friend and then some of the people or most of the people on our floor, nobody really knew that who we were or who was actually and behind we intentionally us. kept it that way. Yeah. And I think it just kept it really exciting because you're sort of doing something behind the scene, like, I guess, secretive in a way. Secret, but, yeah. um, <laughs> Um, and it, it felt really exciting and and to be able to sort of just come up to people and just surprise them with like, you know, this opportunity and all these kind of questions um, was really fun to do. And um, yeah, like and then um, 
I do remember like our friends were supportive and then even of um, some of them who had interest in Humans of New York at the time, uh, we would sort of also pull them in to, to see if they would be, you know, uh, interested in doing maybe a few um, uh, photos for us, like as a photographer and interviewer. And, you know, people were, were, were really supportive and they would just do it for the sake of it. And it wasn't something that we asked them to do as a job or, or getting paid. Um, yeah. Um, I think for us, it was born out of passion and fun and we kept it that way. Um, we were really cognizant about being consistent with our posts. So as far as like external support from the people that were following us and it, keeping the project alive and going, it was really just about consistency and um, giving people what they wanted out of it. But actually on our end, we got plenty of support from our friends and um, we did want to keep it really, really anonymous. It was actually nice because mm. we made sure that on the website and on Facebook that we had the email address mm. that you could reach us at. And it was like humansofwestern at gmail.com, I think. And we printed those onto cards. And so anytime we went to go visit someone or interview someone, we'd give them the card. We'd sign, they'd sign this form and waiver to say mm. that if you want it taken down at any time, we would take it down. Um, and then because of like all of that stuff and because we took it very seriously people took us very seriously and mm -hmm. they knew that if they ever wanted to reference check like if we were real or not well they they could see the facebook page they knew the email address it matched up with what we gave them and they could email us and see that we would respond so um they knew we were legit and not random um <laughs> even though we were anonymous um so we we covered a lot about humans of western and it's so lovely to see the joy that you have when talking about it. Um, I want to give you this like opportunity to maybe share anything else about Humans of Western, any favorite memories, um, pieces of content, you know, anything that you have with you or remember? Um, I have one. I yeah, go for Kathy. Okay, just off the top of my head, I, I just remembered this. We were interviewed by CTV London, I believe, at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, Do yes. Do you remember yes. that? Yeah. I think I interviewed you at the time. I, I didn't go to the interview, but you did. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, so cool because I feel like that's when we're like, oh, wow, people like people really know about this. This is this is cool. We have something here when the local news in London picks up and says we want to do a feature on you or we want to interview you. And because they didn't know who we were, we were. They emailed the email saying, hey, mm. we set up an interview. And then we did it and I remember like talking about it and they're like, this is so cool. This is amazing. Um, and it, for, for an initiative that we kicked off interviewing only people on the Western campus, like the local town picked up on it and thought it was cool. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a, definitely a highlight. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing like humans of Western on, on the newspaper, like physical copy of newspaper. I was like, I was so proud. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, even if we were, like, anonymous at the time, it was just something that you just keep to this day that, like, wow, we sort of really made it happen. Um, yeah, um, I would say my favorite memories, there wasn't one in particular, but just the joy of connecting with people whenever you get to interview them um, and get to know them on such a deeper level than you normally would. and from humans of western i actually made quite a few friends 
um, because of, you know, how we hit off during interview. And then because the people that sometimes I interview people who I met in classes. Um, so I still would see them the next day or the week after. And just because of how our conversation went during that interview, we created that connection and then we kept that connection, uh, some of them to this day. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's powerful. Yeah. And so like transitioning out of the life of humans of Western and post-graduation, can you share a bit about what keeps you busy these days, whether it's work, hobbies, passion projects? Um, yeah. So I mentioned uh, at the beginning, I live in London, UK now, which is really exciting and really fun. And for everyone who has ever thought about living abroad, um, I would highly recommend doing this when you are young. Um, unfortunately, if you are going to save lives like Emily, then it's a little bit harder. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's it's a really great time. So I spend my time mo mostly working um, at this startup that's focused on fertility. So I have the joy of trying to work towards helping more people build more families every day, which is a really great mission. And um, on my spare time, I also co-own a pottery studio in London and I make pottery and make pots and teach people. Um, and it's a community pottery studio, so it's a nonprofit. And we just try to bring more people together um, through playing with mud. And it's called Mud Gang. Uh, so it's very cute. Is there an Instagram account for it? There is, definitely. Um, but funnily enough, I don't do most of the work on the Instagram account. Some, I mean, if you want to share it, we can definitely promote it on our channels. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not not our it's channels, a... <laughs> but in the description. <laughs> it's um, it's Mud Gang, uh, one word underscore pottery, um, and it's yeah, it's in London. So if anyone ever you know hops across the pond and wants to come check it out, we're here. Yeah. Um. No, Kathy, I definitely gonna go on Instagram after this and go follow because. I love doing pottery and I actually did a year of pottery classes when I was doing medical school in Hamilton. Um, there was like just a pottery studio just down the street from where I live. And yeah, it was, it was such a joyful sort of activity to create and play with mud and yeah, just, just de-stress is, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, I, um, still hanging around in Canada still. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to travel and be as worldly as uh, Kathy, who I'm very jealous of because she lived in Japan, which is one of my dream destination. Um, and now in London, which is such an awesome country. Um, but yeah, I mostly keeping myself busy with um, residency, uh, which is a challenge of its own. And um, but I'm learning a lot every day. I have a, a very good uh, group of support system as um, anyone who go through the medical career uh, would know. That's really something you need to um, stay sane and, and push you through the whole um, uh, um, journey. Um, hobby wise, I would say I am getting into houseplants. Um, I'm keeping... I think 10 of them alive still so far in the last year or so. Um, and it's been really fun and relaxing, similar to doing sort of pottery, I would say. Um, but yeah, if you have nice pots, Kathy, I would always love to have some more. 
Wow, it's really nice to see all of these uh, side hustles and hobbies going on. And I think, Kathy, you found yourself another customer. I mean, if you decide to charge Emily for it. <laughs> Next time I'm in London, I'll definitely. No, it's all free. Money. It's free for Emily. Oh. Um, so how what's, what are some of the differences between, you know, living abroad and Canada? I know Canadians are known for being really kind and saying sorry and thank you so much. Like, what are some of the differences you have noticed in your time in Japan or maybe in the UK? Yeah, I think living in a different culture is really is really cool because you get to absorb and identify and see the bits of your upbringing and, and your experience um, highlighted because a lot of things I think we take for granted and like it, when you're in Canada, everyone grew up watching YTV, like of course they did. But then in all of these other cultures, when you start interacting with different people, there's all of these other cultural norms and things that they've experienced growing up and that has shaped them to be different people. So I think it's been really cool um, to see that even like even in the U.S., it's you would think that they're very similar to us, but actually they've had an entirely different um, upbringing than we have. And the U.S. is different. Japan is different. Um, the U.K. is different. Um, and I love that. I love I think it really stems back to why I loved Humans of Western. It's like I love understanding and seeing the perspective of someone different and like really understanding them and getting to know that and learning it and, and feeling it. And that's, I think, part of the, the beauty of living in different places for me. Um, and also my day job is doing product management. So I have to think a lot about how do people actually use the things that I'm building. And when you build it on such a global scale, um, it's not you can't just always be thinking like oh well if, if it was me I would do this but actually like people are so different and in the way they act the way they think they're so so different that um you can never really predict what they're going to do so it's better to just like not try to and just learn that's amazing yeah I assume there's a lot of learnings um I know when I came to Canada four years ago, I had to completely reshift the way I was thinking, communicating with people, and even interacting. Um, and I assume it's the same to wherever else I decide to go after you know this journey. Which brings me to my next question for Emily. Um, you know, being in three different universities, adaptation is like a key skill that you have to like learn and maybe hone in those years what has helped you to, I guess, make those three different places feel like home for you or a place that you can learn and grow? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. Thank you. Um, adaptation wise, I don't think I'm as adaptable as Kathy, if you know what I mean. Um, I don't think so. Emily also, actually, we haven't touched on Emily's like journey of coming to Canada. Oh, I feel like yeah. you've had a lot more to adapt than me. I grew up in Canada. <laughs> um yeah um so yeah I I came to similar to you Hossein I came to Canada but a little bit younger in high school um just a couple of years before I met Kathy um in grade nine um but um I was very fortunate that my parents prepared me pretty well they knew that you know our family would move to Canada eventually so they prepared me taking like all the the languages class and and things like that, uh, familiarize myself to the Western culture. Um, and But I think throughout that experience of immigrating and then also moving to different universities, what really kept me grounded um, 
and this is also something that I realized from humans of Western, right, is the human relationship. Um, like no matter where you go, the the friendship you made, the, the relationship that you create, the community that you're part of is the one thing I would say uh, will make you feel at home no matter where you are. Um, and I think Kathy would agree with that as well, being in, in you know, so many different countries already. Um, I would encourage people to go to, you know, um, uh, different places, live in different cultures, um, experience different things. Um, it really helps shape your perspective um, in a way that help you be more open mind to learning new things and, and not really hold any sort of judgment or expectation going in and really just going in with the intention to learn, to absorb, to understand. Um, and and I think, sorry, if this is a question that you're going to ask later, but I, I feel like um, having, you know, had that experience interviewing people on Humans of Western, um, like Kathy said, it really helped me hone um, the people skill that I still have to this day when, like, in medicine, you get to interact and have to interact with a lot of different people from all kind of walks of life. Um, as part of your job, is part of what you have to do and, and to adapt and to learn to treat people whom you may not agree with uh, from time to time. But you just that, you know, you go in with the expectation that um, this is somebody I, I want to get to know, I want to understand. And you listen to understand it and, and um, it really helped me to this day uh, having that kind of interview skills. So amazing to hear and also hearing other fellow immigrant uh, stories uh, makes me feel really happy because it's a really tough journey. You have to do lots of things, adapt, perhaps form those connections that are non-existent the moment you step into a new country. So mm -hmm. I'm so happy to hear that. Um, as we are approaching our final question here, do you have any advice for our audiences, which could be anyone, Western student, faculty member, or our Western community in general? I mean, it's hard to give general advice because everyone is so different in their own way with their own different strength and experience. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, wherever you go, um, learn to cherish those relationships and those connections that you're able to make with people um and and know that you know everyone is going through their own different struggles um um and everyone is doing something amazing um despite all those struggles so um yeah i i was really appreciative of this opportunity to do the interview today um and i'm i'm glad that we're um able to you know make this new connection today with you hosin um yeah, and please tell the team at Humans of Western to um, currently that we say hi and thank you for what you guys are doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I will deliver that message. Yeah, I, I think exactly what Emily said and maybe even something a bit more tactical is like when we started this effort, we came from the perspective of both of us knowing that there's so much more behind the surface to every single person. And when you walk around campus, uh, this was actually the initial 
impetus and thinking behind the project was that when you walk around the campus, you, you're often just so caught up in the day to day, thinking about yourself, thinking about what you need to do, rushing from one place to another, that you don't stop and take a look around. I would honestly advise everybody to maybe like pretend that you are a Humans of Western interviewer someday, just decide on a Saturday, yeah. go for a walk. And pretend that you're an interviewer, because what that'll do is put you into a mindset of starting to look around you and look at the people around you, because they will give off body language and signs like you'll notice that someone is happy, or you'll notice that someone is sad, or you'll notice that maybe someone is really caught up thinking about themselves, or you'll notice that someone's doing something really cool out there in the park. And I think when you do that, and maybe it'll encourage you to get out of your shyness and go and talk to them and strike up a conversation um because i think it's really easy to just forget about everybody and think that everyone's the same but every single person out there that you'll see has something so so interesting under the surface and it's really i think it really fills your heart when you're able to have that connection and and find that something about that someone that makes them super special and build that connection with them Awesome. Thank you. These are so like solid advices and I'm sure lots of people would find value in them. Um, thank you, Emily and Kathy for spending your time with me and uh, sharing all of these wisdom. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in for this episode of Voices of Western. Please be sure to check us um, on Instagram at humans, of, humans underscore Western or Facebook, YouTube and TikTok accounts at humans of Western. Um, We'll see you next week.